Well, here we are. We are ready to go. Rock and preach. Ready to rock and preach today. I'm going to talk about a dangerous place to be. You know what that dangerous place to be is? It's a place to be in life where you think that you know something, but then you find out you didn't know it at all. Did it happen to you? It happens to all kinds of people, even people that teach. I've been in that predicament. Thought I knew something. Oh, yeah. Come to find out, oh, I guess I didn't know it like I thought I did. It's not a good place to be, especially when it has to do with what we're going to be talking about today here on New Hope Radio. I'm looking for us. I don't see us online for some reason. Hopefully we're here. Because we like our audiences. We like our radio audience. We like our podcast audience. We like our social media audience. We like them all. Just trying to make sure that we're here so we can have a good conversation with everybody. Well, let's get into it. We're going through the Gospel of John chapter every time. And today's a good one. Today's very important. We're going to meet up with a man named Nicodemus. Okay, there we are. I see everybody's here today. Catherine, Janine, Doreen. Everybody's here and a lot of other people need to be on board with us as well. Catherine already chimed in. I can appreciate being wrong because I learned what's right. Well, that's the best thing about being wrong taking it as a lesson and then learning what's right. So we're going to meet somebody today. His name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the scriptures. And like many people, he had a curiosity about Jesus Christ. Now that's good. You know, that's where many people begin, right? They begin with a curiosity curiosity about God, about Christ. Nothing wrong with that. So he came to Jesus at night. A lot of people came to Jesus during the day. You know, we read the Gospels, and it was during the day that people flocked to him. But Nicodemus, no, he's a little different. He came at night. Why did he come at night? I don't know. Well, you know, he was a, a Pharisee. Maybe he wasn't sure if he wanted to identify with uh, Jesus at that particular point. After all, Jesus, you know, he was a hot topic. Oh, yeah. And he wasn't well received by the religious crowd. He kind of stepped on their religious toes. They didn't like that. One writer said that Nicodemus wanted more of a private time with Jesus. Now, we know that there was another man named Joseph of Arimathea. He was a secret disciple of Jesus, too, for fear of the Jews. And John tells us that in John 19, verse 38. 
So for whatever reason, it's remarkable that Nicodemus came to Jesus at all. Why? Well, number one, he was a wealthy aristocrat. You ever notice most people with a lot of money don't seem to have a need for God? I'm thankful for those few that do. Because with their lots of money, they become a wonderful blessing to others because they have a spirit of generosity. But most people that are wealthy, they don't have a need for God because their needs are met. Well, Nicodemus, he was a wealthy aristocrat, a member of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel. As a Pharisee, oh yeah, he nailed it. Religion? He's got it. He kept every letter of the law. That's what Pharisee means, separated one, a cut above the common people, the people of the land, right? So the fact that he even came to Jesus, that was a remarkable thing. So what we're going to do, we're going to join the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And you know what's so good about that conversation? It's a conversation that's been true and effective for the last 2,000 years. So the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 2, that this man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, see, everybody saw Jesus as a rabbi, a teacher. We know that you've come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So I like the fact that Nicodemus was somewhat open-minded. If more people were open-minded, they would find Christ. You know that? If they would just open up, they'd find him. But it goes to show you those that don't find Christ, oh man, their, their minds are closed, shut tight with a lock, and it's like they threw away the key. So Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you. (laughs) You know what I love about Jesus? It's like when he answers people's questions or statements, it's like he's on a whole nother topic. Nicodemus said, we know you've come from God because of the signs you do. And Jesus is, he's not like, well, thank you, Nicodemus. I'm glad you noticed. No. (laughs) Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. Unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus came. He put the spotlight on Christ. Christ put the spotlight back on Nicodemus. And Nicodemus bit. And he said, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. And then he said something really dumb. Can he? Now, did he need to say that? Of course not, Nicodemus. Could have ended right there. He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. You don't have to say, can he? So, here we have the conflict of the necessary with the impossible. That which is necessary is impossible. You know what that means? We're in a lot of trouble. If something's necessary and impossible, there's trouble on the horizon. It may be necessary to be born again, but it is impossible. Someone once said to Jesus, who can be saved? 
And looking at them, Jesus said, well, with people it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. So that's good news. What is necessary is impossible for man, but it's not impossible for God. So there's our hope. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in God. So what does it mean to be born again? See, a lot of people have a tremendous misunderstanding of that phrase. You know, they'll even use it as a category of people. You're not one of them born agains, are you? Like, do they really know what the phrase means? We're going to explain that today. So, the word again is the word enothen. And it has three possible meanings. From the beginning, or it could mean a second time, or it could mean from above, therefore from God. So, this answers the problem of the man who wants to change, but he cannot change. Because he can't change himself. So, we're going to see that to be born again, it, it has to do with a spiritual birth. And it's a spiritual birth that only God can bring about. Because man can't change himself, only God can change him. Peter said that. Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God caused us to be born again. And you know what that gave us? Hope. And you know what the end result? To obtain an inheritance which is, oh, I like this, imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away and reserved in heaven for you. Oh, it's reserved. It's waiting. There's an inheritance that waits for the faithful. And it's in heaven. The Apostle Paul, he said to Titus, speaking about the Lord, that he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done, in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is letting Titus in on it too, that this great change that needs to take place, it can only be done by God. When Paul said to the Corinthians, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The whole key is being in Christ. When you're in Christ, all things become new. So, rebirth, if you think about it now, this is going to maybe shock you a little bit. When Jesus said you must be born again, you know that phrase is not original with Jesus. It was understood in the ancient world that there were instances where people needed to be born again. For instance, when a man became a Jew, he was considered reborn in the ancient Greek mystery religions, the initiate passed through stages by means of rites and rituals that brought him close to one of their gods. And when he arrived at that place, he was considered twice born. You see? So this is 
a, a, a phrase or an understanding that's always been around. The ancient world knew all about rebirth and regeneration. Even though theirs wasn't factual, it was mythical. When Jesus brought it on the scene, it was factual. When Christ came into the world with a message of rebirth, he came with precisely that for which all the world was seeking. See, people wanted to be reborn. They're just going about it the wrong way. And Jesus came on the scene and says, no, this is the way. I'm going to show you how to attain that new birth and all things become new. See, just like the world is filled with all kinds of religions, but there's only one approach to God that's real and effective, and that's the one that goes through Christ. Nothing else will do it. So I believe many people today, they're desirous to seek God, but they don't know how to do it. So they go through religious rites and rituals. They get involved in movements because they don't know what to do. That's why our lives are so important. That at the opportune times, you share your faith with people. There are those, ah, they don't care what, what happens to their soul. You know, you don't cast your pigs, pearls before swine. But there are those that do care. And they're just misdirected, misled. And when you have the opportunity to teach them the truth, you bring it to them. Because there are so many ideas, so many ways, so many attempts, but they're all to no avail. Most people, oh man, most people live in a world without hope. You know that? Most people in the world have no hope. Haven't the last few years shown us something here in our own country? The riots, the destruction, the chaos. When people have no hope, they do one of two things. They either give up or they do bad things. One or the other. When people have no hope, it doesn't bother them to hurt themselves or to hurt others. You know why? Because they have no hope. And now Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus says, wait, there is hope. There's hope. That's why he said, oh, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, capital S, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So now, to revisit Nicodemus's question, how can a man be born again? How can he be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Nicodemus, I told you, you don't have to use that word, can he? Okay? So, to enter into his mother's womb... It's to be born, but only to die again, so that's not going to work. Physical birth, I don't care if it's ten times. He's still going to die. Jesus said, no, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, believe it or not, this phrase carries controversy. Some say the water that Jesus mentioned represents baptism. But baptism plays no part in salvation. Okay? That's basic. Learn that right out of the chute. Baptism, water baptism, plays no part 
in salvation. And don't fall for that. You got to be baptized to be saved. No, not water baptism. That follows salvation. Water could speak of physical birth, but we know everybody must be born physically. Thirdly, water could speak of the Word of God because we're washed with the water of the Word, right? So we're saved through believing in the preaching of the Word. So we know it's not baptism. We know it's not physical birth again. So chances are it's the gospel. How are we born again? Through the gospel, through hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, accepting the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit makes his move and he seals you as belonging to God until the day of your redemption. Wow. Isn't that great how that works? God did that for us. That's grace. That's mercy. See, we can't do that for ourselves. God did that. So Jesus said, unless one is born of water and the Holy Spirit. And that is how regeneration takes place. I believe it's a combination of understanding the gospel, which is the simple truth about who Christ is, why he came, and what he did. The gospel is about the mission of Jesus Christ. He came to die for the sins of mankind. That's why he came. And as Jesus said, No one gets to the Father but through me. No one. There's no other way. So cross off the list, all those other ways people use. Because they don't work. You must be born of God. Born of God. So think about it. Think about what takes place at the moment of regeneration. There are things that take place. Number one, we're made alive by the Holy Spirit. That means I wasn't alive before? Well, yeah. You weren't alive to God. You were alive in a physical sense, but you were not alive in a spiritual sense. Now the Holy Spirit comes in takes up residence inside of us and we are spiritually alive to God. That means, oh, we can have a relationship with God. Beautiful. Number two, we become a new creation in Christ. See, we're not a washed old creation. We're a new creation. Like, you didn't wash your car, you went and got a new one. What's better? (laughs) I'll take a new one. So God didn't clean you up. He he regenerated you. He made you brand new. Okay? You're a you're the next level model of what you were. Number 3. At regeneration, we are born to a living hope. The word hope is the word elpis. And helpus means elpis means confidence. Confidence. And what is our confidence in? Here it comes. Heaven. Oh, heaven. That we have all the assurance in the world that we're going to heaven. I hope you do. I do. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have the assurance of heaven. You're going to heaven. No doubt about it. Nothing's going to change. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
You're sealed by the Spirit. God is going to take you up and you'll be in. That's the living hope that we have. Number four, we have forgiveness of all sins. Wait a minute now. Past, present, and get this, future. What? Future. You mean the ones I didn't commit, they're already forgiven? Yeah. Well, how can they be forgiven if I didn't commit them? Well, how many of your sins were committed when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago? Uh, well, none, because I wasn't here. Well, there you go. He died for all the sins that would ever be committed. All the way till the end of time. They were all lumped together and put on Jesus. Wow. Oh, he suffered. Oh, he suffered for us. You know, when you suffer for your own sin, it's not nice. It's awful. When I suffer for my sins, I don't like it. Consequences, things like that. He suffered from the sins of everybody. That was awful. That's an awful thing that Jesus went through for us. And that's why. Shame on those that say no. Oh, the epitome of ignorance. To say no to Christ. The epitome of pride. To say no to Christ. That's, you know, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Of those on the earth, even those under the earth. Everybody. And for some, it'll be too late. Don't let the sin of ignorance cause you to retain all your other sins. When faith in Christ can cause all those sins to be washed away. Number five, at regeneration, we become citizens of God's kingdom. That's why Paul could say our rights and our privileges, our citizenship, as the King James says, it's not on earth, it's in heaven. So, you know, we're not going to get fair treatment on the earth, especially as Christians. But our citizenship is in heaven. We really belong to heaven. Aren't we strangers and aliens in this world? We're square, we're square pegs in round holes. We don't fit. We don't fit in. Many things about this life are a turnoff to the true Christian. They don't like them. They don't like the jokes. They don't like the entertainment. They don't like the music. They don't like the philosophy. They don't like it. Why? Because you're a citizen of God's kingdom. Everything's different. Number six. This is a good one. We are sealed in our salvation. You know what that means? You can't lose it. Seal. The Holy Spirit's got you. You're hidden in the palm of God's hand. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So we have that sealing, that assurance, that confidence that we belong to God. And that can never be taken away. You know what else happens at regeneration? We're given at least one spiritual gift. At least one. I think we all have like a few. But that one is like the major gift. And you know what that does? It does three things. Number one, it gives you purpose. Number two, you become a blessing to other people. And number three, you have an opportunity to earn rewards for utilizing your gift. Now, come on. That's the grace of God. 
Do you know what your gift is? You've got to discover it, cultivate it, and utilize it. That's what you got to do. Discover your gift, cultivate it, get good at it, it takes practice, and utilize it. And then you'll have purpose, people will be blessed, and you'll have rewards in heaven. Now, that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. Don't let that one slip by. The eighth thing that happens at regeneration, we have the ability to understand the Word of God. And you know why? Because we've got the Holy Spirit. See, God's Word is a spiritual book, and we have to have spiritual discernment. And that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So the natural-minded man cannot understand the things of God. Matter of fact, they're foolishness to him because they're spiritually discerned. But when you've got the Holy Spirit, you have the tools withal to understand God's Word. That's why we need the Spirit. Number nine, now you have the ability to know the will of God. What's God's will for my life? Well, as I go through the Scriptures and learn the Scriptures, I'm discovering what God's will is. It's a combination of, here it comes, Bible knowledge and my spiritual gift knowledge. Knowing what the Bible says and knowing what my spiritual gift is will help me to determine the will of God for my life. There it is. And then lastly, we begin to change from the inside out. Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I need that one. (laughs) I need to change. I'm changing little by little. I need to change faster. God, I need to change more. I need to change faster. But that happens. That's salvation. The change process begins to work. So all these wonderful, I just gave you 10 things that happen when you're born again. When you're born from above. So, hey, get people to listen to this podcast. Get people to discover the Hope Club podcast because this is the life changer. And not only does it change the life, it changes the eternal destiny. And that's the big one. That's the big one. The eternal destiny. Oh, man, that's what it's all about. That's the path that goes on forever. This life, okay, it's a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. But eternity, that goes on forever. That's the one we've got to focus on. That's why they need to learn. Why must I be born again? This is why. Next time, we're going to meet a young lady. We know her as the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Join me then. Restudy this message, and I'll see you next time for New Hope Radio. Oh,